You're listening to audio from Cities Church. You can find more resources and learn about our ministry by visiting citieschurch.com. So last week, we saw that God intends for the church to be the agency of good for society. We saw that God wants us to be praying for all people and that we live ultimately for God's pleasure. So this week in our passage, we see Paul taking a step back and giving us a a clear vision of who God is, specifically in and through the person and work of Jesus. To, To prove what Paul said last week, that God desires all types of people, and to confirm not only God's purpose, but Paul's mission. So the sermon title this morning is Jesus the Mediator. We will see how Jesus is our mediator and what that means for us. Pray with me. Father God, use your spirit and word to reveal and glorify your son. Sass this. In Jesus, his beautiful name. Amen. So let me read verse 5 again. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There is only one God and he has made himself known. He is the creator of everyone and everything. And he gives his creation meaning and purpose. Psalm 18:31 says, "For who is God but the Lord?" Isaiah 44:6, "Thus says the Lord, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God." So, not only is there one God, but this God is not some distant deity. He isn't this far-off God that he set the world up like a clock and and he wound it up and then he just leaves us. And, and I get it, like, it, it can seem like that sometimes. There's so much evil in the world, and there's so much brokenness, even in our own lives, that it seems like God has left us stranded. But this truth that there is a God and that he has given to us Jesus, the mediator between God and humanity, means that he has not left us alone. He has not left us stranded. God is intricately involved in your life, whether you realize it or not. And all throughout scripture, we see a God who is invested in his creation, who who cares about people, the God that sees, that hears, that knows us. So if you're here this morning, and, and you feel like no one gets you or, or maybe that no one understands you, that, that no one sees your pain or your struggle that you're going through, know that God sees you. He, he hears you. He knows you. He's your creator. Every human heart is searching for something. You see, deep in the soul of humanity, there's this void. Deep in our heart, there's this void that we try to fill. 
We're looking for something that will mediate and connect the divine to our mortal existence. And, and even if that's not how people express it, that's what's going on. You see, we're looking for that end that, that allows us to understand the meaning of who we are and why we exist. Everyone everywhere, I mean, we're, we're, we're looking to belong. Doesn't matter where you go, people are looking to belong. People are looking to be known. They're looking to, to find fulfillment and, and purpose because that's how we were created. Augustine, the, the African church father, once said that our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. Twice in 1 John, it says that God is love. In all his triune fullness, the essence of what God is, the essence of who he is, who he is, is love. In John 14, Jesus was telling his followers about God. And he made the claim that, that no one goes to God except through him. And he said that, that he's the only way. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through me. And so the disciples, when they were hearing this, they're trying to understand. They're, they're, they're thinking, trying to grasp about the implications of what Jesus is saying. And so Philip, one of, one of the disciples, he asks Jesus. He, he tells him. He says, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. I mean, his disciple pretty much told Jesus, Jesus, show us God and then we'll believe you. And, and listen to to Jesus' response. John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So if, if God is love and if Jesus is God who became a man, then the actual essence of love became human in the person of Jesus. And so Jesus shows us exactly what God is like. Jesus, out of great love, becomes our great mediator. A mediator is someone who bridges the gap between people. Someone who reconciles conflict in a relationship. And Jesus is the mediator. There are many ways that Jesus is the only mediator between God and people. And, and we can't go through all of them right now. But the main way that he is this mediator is what it says here. If you look at verse 6, it says, who gave himself as a ransom. Jesus, God the Son, is the mediator who gave himself as a ransom to take us to God the Father. And Jesus also talked about this idea. This is Paul talking in this passage in 1 Timothy, but Jesus actually says this about himself in Matthew 20, 28, and Mark 10, 45. He says, the son of man, speaking of himself, came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So this concept of Jesus giving himself as a ransom has this idea of putting himself in our place. And not just that, but as a substitutionary sacrifice. And so this idea of giving himself as a ransom says something about us, and it says something about Jesus. 
for us, it implies that humanity's relationship with God is broken. That we are under a debt that is impossible for us to get out of. And for Jesus, it implies that Jesus giving himself as a ransom was a supreme act of sacrifice. An intentional giving of himself to redeem people into fellowship with their creator. God the Son is the only mediator to God the Father. And so he is the only one who bridged the infinite gap that was between God and people. And so that infinite gap was brought about by human rebellion. Human rebellion against the loving authority of God. And it's also called sin. Humanity is stuck in this endless cycle of sin. You see, sin is both external and internal. It is an external action and also an internal soul condition. As an external action, sin is rejecting the commands of Scripture. And as an internal condition of our soul, as one pastor puts it, it is the opposition to the creator that crouches at the door of every human heart. The way the Apostle Paul puts it in the letter to the church in Rome, specifically chapter 3, verses 9 and verses 23, is that all people are under sin and all people have sinned. You are under sin whether you want to be or not, whether you believe it or not. You see, you are under sin the same way you are under gravity. Sin is like gravity because even if you aren't aware of it, it's still there. And it doesn't make a difference if you think gravity doesn't apply to you. I once got dunked on really bad. So I was visiting family in Puerto Rico, and, and my cousin, he had like a little league going on, and he needed an extra guy. And so he asked me to, to play with him for that game. And, um, and so Usually in basketball, you're like scouting the other team. You're kind of like looking, you know, you're kind of sizing them up, seeing like what's going on. And there was this guy on the other team. He was, he was like on the professional team in Puerto Rico. But he was a young guy. Like he was on the bench. So he was, he was like on the professional team, but he didn't really play. And he was still young. Um, but I knew that was the guy I was supposed to be guarding. That was the guy that I would be matched up with. And, and in the game, there was this one opportunity. I, it was a fast break. He had the ball. And, man, I, I thought I was going to block him. I thought out, so I, I jumped up. It was a perfect jump. I could not have tried any harder. And I went up there, and there came a point where he just kept going up, and he dunked on me. And honestly, like, I, he, I got hurt. Like, his, his elbow hit my rib. Like, I'm limping off the court. Like, I'm, I'm, it was just bad. And then they called the foul on me. So it was, it was just embarrassing on multiple levels. But, but so you can pretend that gravity doesn't apply to you. You can try to jump as high as you can to escape gravity's grip. But it will still keep pulling you down. And that's how our soul condition is. Our sin was so great that it took God dying as the only possible remedy. God the Son took on the life of humanity as a person. And that's why Paul emphasizes, if you see the end of verse 5, we skip to verse 6, but at the end of verse 5 says, saying the man Christ Jesus. Jesus, the one mediator, lived the perfect life we couldn't live and that no one else could have lived. 
No other human had been worthy and perfect to be our sacrifice and our ransom. You guys heard of Moses. Moses, the esteemed prophet who was used mightily by God to do amazing things. And he's even called the mediator of the old covenant. So there was one point where Moses actually tried to offer himself to God for the sins of the people. In Exodus 32, the the Israelites built and worshipped a golden calf while Moses was still on Mount Sinai, the mountain communing with God. And so he, he hears about this and, and he is shocked. He, he comes down and, and a lot of crazy stuff happens in that chapter. But at the end of the chapter, he tells the Israelites that he's going to try to atone for their sin. And so he goes back up the mountain and he asks God to forgive their sin, even to the point where he says, God, blot out my name from your book. And God, in a sense, says, Moses, you think you can die for these people? Moses, you think you can atone for their sin? God rejects the offer and just says, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. You see, Moses couldn't take upon himself the sin of the people. He was only a man. He could not be the ransom that can forgive sin and redeem humanity. And yet on the cross, Jesus was treated as the one who sinned against God the Father and paid the debt that we could never pay. And and when he died, it wasn't a tragedy. You see, John chapter 10 verse 18, Jesus makes it clear. He says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own. And so the author of life chose death so that we can live. When he was on on the cross, he died a a brutal physical death. but, But that was nothing compared to the spiritual reality of being forsaken by God and absorbing the wrath and justice that we deserved. Jesus took the consequences of sin, our sin, upon himself. In the Old Testament, prophesying about the coming mediator, in Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6, it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And he died. Jesus, the the author of life, really died. And yet, he conquered Death, the the grave could not hold him. Death could not keep him. And the resurrection is the guarantee from God the Father that says, I accept my son's sacrifice as the payment for sins once and for all. That's the gospel. As we mentioned a few weeks ago, the gospel in three words is Jesus saves sinners. 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also suffered 
once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. And there's two lies that, that we can kind of fall under. It's either we compare ourselves to other people and say, we're not that bad. You know, we're, we're, we're not that bad. I don't really need Jesus like a little bit, but I'm not that bad. And then the other, well, the other lie is that I need to clean myself up before I can even go to Jesus. And I think we all in our lives kind of vary between those two uh, things. But there was a time in my life where I really felt like I needed to, to clean up my act before I came to Jesus. Like I grew up going to church, I, I knew all that, but it wasn't a, a, a reality that I need to just throw myself onto the mercy of God. There's this passage in, in Romans that says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like that's how he proves his love. Jesus, God on the throne, almighty, looks down at us. He looked down on me, dead in my sin. I was hopeless. Didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I was dead in my sin. And he comes down from his throne and takes me and just brings me up. He cleans me by his blood. He washes me. He calls me a brother. I'm adopted into the father's family. And we are now seated on high in heavenly places. Because of his blood. He took our sin. And now by faith we can take his righteousness. The perfect life he lived is counted as ours when we put our trust in him. His death brought us life so that we can be reconciled in our relationship to our heavenly father, the creator of our souls. He was a ransom. For all. If we continue reading 1 Timothy 2, 6 and 7, he gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. As Pastor Jonathan said last week, God is the God of all people. No matter what your background is, what your economic status is, what, what job you have, what your personality type is, what country you're from, or what color you are. God is the God of all people. And so this message of God ransoming people from all nations and all types of people was a message that had been declared and had found its fulfillment at just the right time in Jesus. And that is why Paul says he was sent from God with this message. Although God chose a specific people group, the, the Jewish people, to be his people, he didn't on planning on just stopping there. And so all throughout the Old Testament, there are countless prophecies and declarations that he desires people from all nations and ethnicities. And, and I think that's why he also references the Gentiles. He says, I'm a, a teacher of, to the Gentiles of faith and truth which Gentiles just means anybody who's not Jewish. The gospel is for Jewish people and for every other people. And so we see this in the beginning of the Bible. Abraham was told this in Genesis twenty-two eighteen: In your offspring shall, the, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. 
In the Psalms, Psalm 22, 28, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. It's in the prophets, Isaiah 49, 6. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. In Jesus, Jesus even says in Mark eleven seventeen, and he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house should, shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. And a picture of the glorious result of God's promise in gathering the nations to himself is found in Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 through 10. It says, for you were slain. Jesus, he's talking about Jesus, for you were slain, and by your blood, this is a worship song, Just this is a worship song at the end of the age when the nations have declared their, their, their trust in Jesus, and they're worshiping Jesus all together, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. The rapper, theologian, Shai Lin, commenting on this passage says, Revelation 5, 9, and 10 speak loudly to God's ultimate purpose in the gospel. A redeemed, ethnically diverse people worshiping him together for all eternity. Like the facets of a jewel, the glory of God shines all the more brightly as the light of his people is reflected through different vessels. Without ethnic diversity, we lose the ability to see God shine in particular ways. And so we see that the biblical drama of redemption focuses on repairing the relationship between God and all the peoples of the world. But what's, what's our role in this? In 2 Corinthians, at the end of chapter 5, is one of many places that Paul gives us a summary of the message and the mission that we have been given. This is the NLT translation, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21. And all this, all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. God has reconciled us and then given us a mission. You see, as God's representatives, we plead with people and show them that they too can come to God because of what Jesus has done. Listen, last week's sermon was about the, the good of society and it's important that we pray and do as much physical and societal good that we can. The church should be God's agent for good in society. 
we should be fighting for the sanctity of life and fighting against racial injustice. And along with that, while we are doing those things, we are also seeking the ultimate good of real people being reconciled with the real God through Jesus. People need to see that any good that is happening through us, it's because of Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, the the apostles, Peter and John, were on trial. They're in front of of these religious leaders and and rulers and and people who were in these positions of authority. And and they looked at Peter, these, these rulers looked at Peter and John, and it says that they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. Basically, these rulers thought to themselves, Peter and John, these are just some regular dudes. Like, they might not even have an education. And yet it says that they were astonished because of the boldness they had. And, and this, is, this is crazy. It says that they recognized that Peter and John had been with Jesus. So when we know Jesus, when we really have been with Jesus, people are going to notice. My prayer is that we are people who have been so wrecked by God's mercy in our lives that it will be visible to others through our words and through our actions. We should be people who want to extend the grace and love that Jesus extended to us. And the only way it will make sense to them, the only possible explanation for people will be like, man, he talks about Jesus a lot. He said he knows Jesus. He's been with Jesus. Listen, it's, it's good to be respectable. God, God wants us, for the most part, to be well thought of by others. But there comes a point where respectability bows to Jesus. You hear that? Respectability bows to Jesus. God shows no partiality. He is not like man. You see, man thinks much of impressive resumes and, and a list of great accomplishment, uh, uh, accomplishments, and we think about credentials, but God is not like that. He's not impressed with where you're from or, or who you know or, or what you've done. That's not how the kingdom works. Jesus said that the first will be last and the last will be first. And so God uses ordinary people. Because he's an extraordinary God. He doesn't need extraordinary people. He's extraordinary. Jesus, the mediator, wants to mediate his presence, power, and love through us. So that people can hear and see and feel God's love no matter who they are or what their background is. Live and show people the mediator. With all the sin and brokenness in the world and in our lives, it can be hard to see God in it all. This past fall, I was at a men's retreat at our church, and um, I had JJ, my son, come along. And at the time, he was three years old, and, uh, and he just he slept with me. And, and, and there's something that I didn't take, take into account, and it's that he usually sleeps with a nightlight. And so when, we, when, when the lights went out, I mean, they went out. Like we're like some, somewhere out of the cities. I mean, there's no light anywhere, and it's pitch black. And, and so we're, we're just chilling in bed, and, and I just hear, Dad. I'm like, what's up, buddy? 
He's like, I can't see you. I'm like, oh, oh, hey, I'm right here. You can hear my voice. It's, it's all good. And so I thought I, that settled it. But then he, he kept going. He said, dad, I can't see you. And then so I tried to, I tried to, to show him like, hey, JJ, you can, you can hear my voice. You know, he, he, he had his head on my shoulder. My, my arm was, pract- was around him. I'm practically holding him. So I'm trying to show him like, JJ, you can hear my voice. You can feel me. I'm, I'm right here. But, but that didn't matter. He kept saying, dad, I can't see you. I can't see you. And, and we can be like that. Even if we believe in God and trust in Jesus, our circumstances can cloud out the reality of who God is and we lose sight of our father. Which brings us to the table. If you want to see who God is, and there's one place to look, Jesus on the cross. That's where we see God. Jesus, the mediator who gave himself as a ransom, who died for our sins, who mediates the presence of God to us. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done. Jesus mediates God to us. If your soul has been searching and you realize your need for Jesus, the mediator, the one who gave himself as a ransom because of your sins, if you would say, Jesus, you gave your all for me and I give my all to you, then I'd like to invite you to eat and drink with us. If you've been walking with Jesus and and need fresh peace in your life, let Jesus carry your burden. He mediates even now at the right hand of the Father. He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. He is strong enough to carry any and all the weight of what your soul carries. Jesus ate the bread of despair and death so that we can eat the bread of life. Jesus drank the cup of God's justice so we can drink the cup of God's peace. So if you trust in Jesus, I'll have the service come up. If you trust in Jesus, if you are united to him by faith, we invite you to eat and drink with us.